Well, hello, everyone. It is wonderful to be here for our all-age service. Um, I hope that's what you're expecting. Uh, my name's Rob. Uh, if you've not been here before, if you've not been many times, you're welcome. Um, we'd love, love to see you here. Uh, we'll have a bit of time to get to know you at the end of the service. But the all-age service is a bit different. Um, it's a lot of... It's all together, as all ages. And uh, we all learn together from God's Word, and we also sing together. Um, usually we'd have a group that the young ones go out to. Uh, but that won't be happening this week. Uh, it's usually it's the last Sunday of the month, um, so you can have that in your diaries and stuff. Um, we're, we're starting this new um, series, looking at Isaiah, and that's because it, we're getting close, aren't we, uh, to Christmas? Who's excited about Christmas? Yes. It usually is about 50% of the people, isn't it? So it's like 50% who are like, is it Christmas again? Um, you know, the Scrooges, by the way. Um, I'll just make that, make that clear. Um, but it is Christmas, and we want to know what Christmas is all about. We want to know really what is the true thing behind all of the things that we do at Christmas time. Why do we why do we celebrate Christmas? And we're looking at this part of the old part of the Bible called the Old Testament, and that was a long, long, long time before Jesus came. So you might be thinking, why are we looking there? Why are we looking in that part of the Bible for Jesus? Well, actually, we're going to see this evening that this verse that we're going to look at in the old part of the Bible is, is used to describe what's going on when Jesus was born, when the baby was born. And we're going to look at that together. Um, so look up on the screen. This is how we're going to work it. Um, that's the all age. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do the intro, which is this bit here. Then we're going to have a song. Then we're going to look at baby number one. If you can pronounce baby number one by the end of this evening, that would be a, a, a small feat in itself, but um, the name of baby number one. Uh, and that's the baby in Isaiah's time. Don't worry, Veroni, you look a bit confused. All will be revealed. Um, then we'll look at the baby Jesus, baby number two. That's the one we're a bit more familiar with, isn't it? And then we're going to be thinking about what it means for us today. Okay. So in between each of those bits, we're going to have a song um, to stand up and sing together. Um, which means that in a moment we're going to stand up and sing our first song. Um, I don't know what it is. What is it? You can tell us. Great. Zach's going to come and lead us in our first song, um, and then we're going to crack on with what we said we're going to do. And one, I pray for us um, and our time together. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the babies that you promised would be coming. Thank you how they point to Jesus and what he came to do. Please help us and to understand what you're saying to us this evening. Please would you uh, be with us by your spirit. Through your word, would you open our eyes. And thank you so much for this opportunity we get to know you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. All right, if you can grab a seat. Uh, for those who have come in, it's our all age. And uh, we are going to be learning... A little bit about that verse, which is on the mouldy-looking piece of paper that's on your table, okay? Um, so that's one of the verses we're going to be taking home with us and thinking about as to what it tells us about Jesus, what it tells us about Christmas. Eddie, I'm talking. Thank you. Um, right, we need to look, don't we? We said we're going to look at baby boy number one. So you need to turn in your Bibles, if you can, to page 775. 
We're just going to be looking at verses 2 and uh, verse 2 to start off with. So if you look for chapter 7, just down towards the bottom of the page, you look for the little number 2. And when you found it, why don't you just talk to the person next to you and, and ask two questions. Uh, who's, who's worried? Who's scared? And what are they scared of? Okay, just chat to the person next to you. Okay. We'll get to this baby boy in a minute. Uh, but to give us the idea of what's going on at the time when God told us about this baby boy, um, how, how do we answer those questions? Who, who's scared in these verses? Ahaz, okay. Do we know who he is? King of Judah, which is in the south. Yeah, King of Judah. Why, he's, why is he scared? Ah, oh, okay. Army, two armies have joined together. Just two, yeah. And which which ones are they? Who who's joined together there? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Aram. Okay, so Israel is one of them. Yeah, that's right. Um, and who's he joined with? Who's Israel joined with? Aram. Okay, fine. Great. Which is, I think, Syria. Is that right? Great. Um, so this is what was going on. This guy is called. Ahaz. Can we say Ahaz? Ahaz? He turns out to be a bit of a weak king, okay? He's, he's, a, he's a bit flighty, and he doesn't trust God. And um, he has, he's worried, he's scared. And not just him, by the way, all the people. And um, they're scared because there's these two guys. Um, the king of Israel, called Pekah, is that right? And then the king of Aram. It's called Resin. I remember these names this way, okay? I remember them as Pecan and Raisin. Um, if that's helpful, um, that's how I remember their names. If it's not helpful, don't worry. But Pika and Resin, okay? And they teamed up against the king of Judah, Ahaz. And he's, he's, he's frightened. He's worried about what they're going to do. Now they're teaming up against him. And so look, if you see on his face... He's not happy, is he? He's, oh, what's going to happen? And actually, we're told that the hearts of the people in Jerusalem were so scared that they were like trees. There you go, it's already blowing. Trees blown in the wind. Their hearts were like trees blowing in the wind. Sorry, Zach. It's almost like a Valentine's <laughs> thing, but you're obviously the one that I love. There you go. Um, uh, their hearts were blowing in the wind. That's what their hearts were like. They were scared. They were so shaky about what was going on, about the people who had come to team up against them. And God, God sends Isaiah, who's a prophet, someone who God would give messages to, and he gives a message for Ahaz. It's going to be a kind message. It's going to be a comforting message. Um, so, Natalie, can you come up? This is what Isaiah said to Ahaz. Be careful, be calm, and don't be afraid. Don't let those two men, Rezin and Pekah, scare you. 
Don't be afraid of their anger and Aram's anger. Those two men are as weak as two barely burning sticks that are ready to go out. They have made plans against you. They said, let's fight against Judah and tear it apart. We will divide Judah for ourselves. We will make the son of Tabeel a new king of Judah. But I, the Lord God, say their plan will not succeed. It will not happen. That is because Aram is led by the city of Damascus, and Damascus is led by its weak king, Rezin. Within 65 years, Israel will no longer be a nation. Israel is led by the city of Samaria, and Samaria is led by its weak king, the son of Ramailah. If your faith is not strong, then you you will not have strength to last. Did you hear what he was saying? God was saying to him, be careful. Don't be afraid. Be calm. Because he wasn't calm, was he? He was scared. And he was going to make a a wrong decision or he was going to turn to something else to help him out this difficulty. But God said, if you just wait, if you trust me, if you're patient, this will all come to nothing. The thing that looks so big and so scary and so worrying, it will actually all come to nothing. But if you don't trust me and you don't know that, you could be made to do something that will turn out really bad. Okay? So he says, if your faith is not strong, if you don't believe, if you don't trust me, then you will not have strength to last. Then the Lord does something interesting. He says to Ahaz, ask me for a sign. Who drove here on the way to church? Yep. Or who walked here? Did anyone look at a sign on the way to church? Maybe. Not sure. Um, okay, he, he said to Ahaz, you can ask me for a sign, something that will show you that I'm going to do this, that it is going to happen. And Ahaz gets the chance to ask for anything. If you look down with me uh, in verse 11, just the, the two sentences after where we stopped, the Lord said, ask for a sign to prove to yourself that these things are true. It may be a sign from as deep as the place where the dead are or as high as the heavens. In other words, he's saying, you can ask for anything, Ahaz. God is able to do it. And if you want that as proof of what I'm going to do, then you can ask for that. Um, But Ahaz, he's already decided something. He's already decided that if you've got, um, here's my science, by the way, sorry, donuts, free donuts. It's a good sign, isn't it? You want to pay attention to that one. Uh, This is where to cross the road. That's a good one. That shows you how to be safe and not to be in danger. And if there's falling rocks, you want to know about it, don't you? Um, so these are some signs you might want to pay attention to. And God is saying, this will be like that. I will prove to you that I'm going to do this. Um, but there is a danger that comes with the sign as well. Um, but Ahaz had already decided to do something really a bit silly. Because he thought the problem is two bad guys. What were their names? Yeah, you're thinking of picking a raisin in there, aren't you? Pika and resin. And he thought, what I need to fight two bad guys is a bigger bad guy. I need to fight my two bullies with a bigger bully. And so he wanted to team up himself with the king of Assyria. And he'd already decided to do that. And actually, that's a proud thing to do. Because what he was trying to do was fix the problem himself. He wasn't humble to ask God for a sign. In fact, if you look down at what he says when he gets told to ask for a sign in verse 12, what does he say? 
he says, I will not ask for a sign. And he says something very religious. I will not test the Lord. What a re- good, good religious person. What a, what, you know. But he's saying something which is, I don't need a sign from you, God. I don't really need you to prove this to me. Uh, actually, I'm, I've already decided what I'm going to do. I've got my own solution. And he, he picked something. He was already choosing that. And God was warning him to say, don't go there. Because he was saying that if you choose this big bully, what's to say that big bully's not going to turn on you? And we're going to see that. that's exactly what happened. The sign we're going to look at now. So God, interestingly, says, um, and if you just flip over the page into verse 14, after he says you, that you wear the patience of God, uh, you wear out the patience of God, he says this, as I was saying to Ahaz, but the Lord himself will give you a sign. You won't ask for a sign, but the Lord is going to give you a sign. A virgin will be pregnant. She will have a son and she will name him Emmanuel. He will be eating milk, curds and honey when he learns to reject what is evil and to choose what is good. You are afraid of the kings of Israel and Aram now, but before the child learns what is good and what is evil, the lands of Israel and Aram will be empty. The Lord will bring some troubled times to you. Those troubles will come to your people and to the people of your father's family. The Lord will bring the king of Assyria to fight against you. So God tells him, tells him two things. First of all, that baby that we saw, it's not like a normal sign, is it? A normal sign is sort of hard and shiny and with letters on it. This sign is going to be a baby child. And that sign only, it only has to grow up a few years. So it's, it's a bit like a stopwatch. Before that baby is four, five years old, these kings will come to nothing. That's what God is promising. He's saying it's not going to be very long, and I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a baby to show you that it's not going to be very long. Um, and he also says that Assyria are not the ones to team up with. <laughs> because he says that... Um, if you do, the God, God is going to bring on you the king of Assyria. It's, all, it's quite a judgment, really, isn't it? If they won't listen to God, if Aram tries to trust in his own things to save him, in his own clever ideas, and doesn't trust God, then there's a, a, a danger. So, what's the sign? It's a baby. A baby born to uh, Isaiah's wife, I think, it says... In verse 3 of the next chapter, they went to the prophetess. Uh, It's Isaiah talking. Then I went to the prophetess. She became pregnant and had a son. Then the Lord told me, Isaiah, named the boy. Can anyone say that? Yeah. That's why I got you to say it rather than me. Um, So there was a baby in the time of Isaiah. And by the time that baby got to the age that I described... This is what happened. Assyria did come. And they did smash the, bu- the small bullies, the kings. But you know what they did as well? They carried on. And they smashed Jerusalem and Aram, uh, Ahaz. And so the people that Ahaz had trusted in to help him out of a bad situation were the ones that actually turned against him. Rather than trusting in the Lord, that's what happened. So, what we've seen so far 
is, let me go past this. What we've seen so far is baby number one, the baby we just read about. And it was a sign, it was like a stopwatch saying, this is how long it's going to take for those kings to come to nothing. But Ahaz was too proud to even ask for a sign. But God was kind, wasn't he, to give him a sign. But it was a sign that things would go bad for them because they hadn't listened to God. Um, But in the next section, we're going to look at another baby boy. All right, if we can stop there. I know what you're thinking. Rob's had a change, isn't he? No, it's just just Tom. Um, We're jumping 500 years in front of Isaiah now. If you turn in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, and we're looking at page 1110. And this is where we see our sign for our second baby. Now in these verses, just a bit of context for you, in these verses there's a man called Joseph, and his wife Mary has just been uh, said to have a baby, Um, and Joseph is thinking to himself, hang on, it's not my baby, so I I don't want to marry this woman. So he's not wanting to go through with it. And in the end, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream and tells him that the baby is from the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph then decided to marry Mary anyway. So the baby that is born to Mary and to Joseph is the fulfillment of the Isaiah prophecy because it's quoted in the verses. Let me read them to you. We're looking at verse 20 on page 1110. Let me read. And it says, While Joseph thought about this, uh, while Joseph thought about this, an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream. The angel said to Joseph, Descendant of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The baby in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call the son Jesus. Give him that name, because he will save his people from their sins. And all of this happened to make clear the full meaning of what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be pregnant, she will have a son, and they will name him Emmanuel. And this means God is with us. So we're going to tackle mainly the last four words of those couple of verses, which are God is with us in verse 23. And now, do you think it's a warning God is with us. Do we think it's a warning at all? Well, we'll discuss that in a minute. Let's, uh, let's imagine for a moment, let's imagine for a moment that our mum has gone out and we're having a lovely time. With it. We're all siblings, we're having a lovely time. We're having a muck about, a little bit of push and a shove, a little bit of Xbox. We've got it all, all going on. And then all of a sudden, crash! A vase falls over. Oh no, what are we going to do? The vase has fallen over and mum's gone out. Who's going to clear it up? I don't know how to do it. I'm only five. I don't look it, do I? But I'm only five. You know, I don't know how to do it. (laughs) We'd want mum to stay out for ages, wouldn't we? We would want her to just, mum, don't come back for a little while. Let me figure out how I'm going to sort this out. We've all been there. We've all been there, I'm sure. But out of nowhere, our older brother comes in and picks up all of the big pieces of the vase, picks them all up, 
and he puts them in the bin. And then he goes and gets a dustpan and brush and he brushes up all of the little pieces as well when he puts them in the bin. And the floor, he's cleaned all the floor and it looks better than before mum went out. Which is always the way for some reason. And, yeah, and then mum comes home and she says, Oh, look at my lovely house. Thank you so much. And gives you a big cuddle. Now we're going to see, now that this is uh, what we're looking at in Matthew is a bit like that. Now I'm not saying that our imaginary mum is God, because that's impossible, because God is God. But what I'm saying is that God can be pleased with us and embrace us and give us a big cuddle like our mum, because of somebody, maybe our older sibling, who came before if we're Christians. And that sibling is baby number two. Baby Jesus. So there was bad news. We've destroyed a vase, and this just opens up a wider view of our sin in a way, doesn't it? Who knows what sin means? Hands in the air. Who knows what sin means? Josiah, what does S stand for? (laughs) Shove off God. I. I'm in charge. And N. No, to your rules, exactly. And we've said that to mum when she's gone out because we've damaged her vase. And it's irreplaceable. It's a sentimental family heirloom. But who came to help us out? Well, our older brother. We should have been concerned and worried. We should have been punished for what we did. But because of the good news and because of our brother, we didn't. And we, were, we weren't punished, but we were saved. So that's the bad news. On the other hand, you've got good news. In Matthew 23, Jesus is the baby that can save us. He is the baby that will make us right with our true father. He cleans up our messy and our broken lives. And he does so, so that we can be right with God. Let's read verse 21, let me read it. And it says, she will give birth to a son. You name the son Jesus. Give him that name because he will save people from their sins. Jesus came into the world to save us from, our, from the wrath of our father. A wrath that we so rightly deserved. A wrath that we brought upon ourselves because of our own sin. And then Jesus came. In this, in this true account, Jesus came in baby number two to save us from those sins. In many ways, he's picked up those pieces of vase, our broken lives, our sins. He's picked them up, put them in a bin, and said, God, these people are all right. Welcome in, into the kingdom. But Jesus can only be our older brother if we truly believe that he is. And Jesus, as our older brother, had mercy on us to save us from those sins and to bring us into a right relationship with God. And I think our next song, if I'm right, is going to speak about the mercy God has on us now. So, we've looked at baby number one, the sign that God gave to Ahaz and the people, the promise that these kings would come to nothing, but if they didn't trust that promise, 
then the things bad, you know, judgment would come on them as well for doing that, for not listening. We've seen baby number two, haven't we? And just as it should be a scary thing that God is with us, because we are sinners, that announcement of God, God is with us should be a scary thing, because the verse before says that Jesus came to save people from their sins, that can be a, an exciting thing. We don't need to be scared. We don't need to face God's anger. Um, so thank you so much, Tom, for explaining that to us. Um, but what does this mean for us now? What are we going to do? Or what are we going to think? Or what are we going to pray? What are we going to ask of God in response to this? Well, first of all, we could be a bit like Ahaz. What we could do is we can think, I know I've got a big problem, which is sin. I've turned from God, but what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and fix it myself. Now, I don't think people are always thinking that way. They're not thinking that sin is the big problem in life. Do you think they are? Do you think your friends at school? Do you think, actually, that's the big problem? No. But what kind of things might they try and do to be good? Put your hands up. What, tr- what kind of things might people try and do to be good? Work hard in school. So if the teachers tell me I'm great, I'm okay. Um, or if my mum, if my mum is my teacher, if she tells me I'm great, then I'm okay. Or if the test tells me I'm great, then I'm, I'm pretty good. What other things might they look to? Donating to charity, okay, being, being a, just doing kind things. So the amount of kind things they can do, that will make me good enough, yeah? That will be a good person, yeah? Helping your mum, yeah? Looking after the family, yeah? I'm a good person because I look after my family. What about oh, having lots of friends? Does that make some people feel like they, they're okay, they're safe? That, they, that they're making a good thing out of their lives? I'm sure it does. Because if you look, actually, all of the things that we like to do is looking at how many people like our picture that we put onto Instagram or that kind of thing. I'm sure you don't do that, just me. So maybe we think I'll behave well, I'll do well in school, I'll make loads of friends, and I'll make my parents proud. Okay, maybe that's what we're thinking. Now, I don't want to say that those things are bad. They're not bad things. But those things are our own ideas of how we might fix the problem, the big problem of sin. And because they're our own ideas and not the sign that God has given, God's idea, they cannot help us with the problem of sin. They will never, ever, ever help us with the problem of sin. We can only be safe. How? Well, just like Ahaz. He could only be safe by trusting the, the sign that God gave to him. He didn't do that. He trusted in himself, in his own clever ideas. We, too, have a sign. The baby born to us, Jesus, born of Mary. That's what the Bible said. That is the sign God has given, that we can be safe with him. And we need to trust in the sign that God gives. Not in ourselves, not in our own ideas to help ourselves fix the problem of sin, but in God's uh, idea. And if you think about it, Ahaz 
was a king. He was someone who led other people, and yet he made a really bad decision. And all of the people that were following Ahaz, therefore also got the bad decision. And it might be that you're listening to someone of, like a leader, maybe a leader who's not from a, from a particular religious background, or maybe a religious leader, and actually they are a bit like Ahaz. And I want to encourage you, that's a dangerous thing. <laughs> it's a dangerous thing to be listening to someone who is trusting in themselves or trusting in some other thing to save them other than in Jesus. So don't listen to them. Realize that, that it would be better to listen to what God has said today. But trust in King Jesus because he is the sign that God has given that we can be safe from sin, that he will save people from their sins. And he can save you too. And we're going to be spending a few more weeks in Isaiah. And um, we're actually in the next few chapters. Um, So if you want to flick over and have a look um, at Isaiah chapter 9. If you look down with me at verse 2. It would be great if you could take those words all the way down to the next page on verse 7. And it would be great if you could look at them, maybe one verse, for each of the days of this week. Okay? So that means Monday morning, chapter 9, verse 2. Read that one. Tuesday, chapter 9, verse 3. Read that one. And by the time you come back next Sunday, guess what? It'll be at verse 7. And what we're going to be looking at in those verses is what this king, this baby number two, what kind of king he's going to be like. Okay? That's what we're doing in chapter 9. So that's what we're doing next Sunday. And um, you'll be doing that in your groups because we won't have, we'll have the adults in here and the kids next door. And then the following week, the Sunday after that, we're going to be looking at what his kingdom is like. What it's going to be like to be with this king forever. Um, So instead of a rubbish king, King Ahaz, the one who didn't trust God, we're going to be seeing that Jesus always was obedient to God. He always trusted him, and he always listened to him, and he is the better king. It describes him as being a wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. That's a wonderful thing that we learn at Christmas time. But tonight we've learned that trusting in ourselves will get us nowhere. Trusting in the sign of God's baby boy, the one he said would be born of Mary, is the way that we can be saved, the way we can be uh, saved from our sin. Now let's pray. Father God, when we panic, we know that we turn to things that which aren't you. Uh, we turn to living for things and looking to other things that can make us feel safe, secure, friends, all the things that we could achieve and do, what people think of us perhaps. And yet really, your sign, the sign of your baby boy is the sign that we need because it comes from you. Help us to trust that this is enough, that Jesus is the one we need to save us from sin. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.